Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 262 of the HP Podcast. Folks, I got the episode number wrong last week. I realized it when I was writing up the, the stuff for the Patreon post. I'm sorry. This is my this is my public apology. I will do better. Uh, I regret the errors I've made. All that stuff. With me here today, uh, also apologizing since he didn't catch it, Davey Wavy Dave. Hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm uh, I'm officially on paternity leave, so mm, I'm doing my man. I'm doing swell. Um, nice. You know, I'm part of the unemployed now for two months. I mean, um, do you not I'm get paid during support. that? No, I do, but the government okay. pays me. Yeah, the taxpayers pay me. Well, technically, I do. Um, yeah, so it feels good. Nice. I'm going to spend the next two months with. My wife and my my baby daughter, and we're going to Dominican Republic for a week next week, uh, or sorry, on Friday for a week. Um, so yeah, that'll be interesting going on a plane with a baby. But yeah, I think she's young enough where you can just you know this works for uh, babies and like men. You know, you just mm-hmm. chuck a boob in their mouth and they're happy and right. quiet, right? Yeah, I think <laughs> bourbon also is equivalent for babies and men. Yeah, to get them to be quiet. Well. The bourbon might make the men louder. That's true. Adult yeah, humans in general. Brown liquor, I think, has the uh, the reverse effect on on especially white men. Um, mm, yeah. Yeah. So, Brandon, um, speaking of boobs and mouth, welcome, the most glorious ginger. How are you? Speaking of brown liquor, <laughs> <sighs> I'm wonderful, man. Yeah, I'm I'm truly wonderful. I couldn't be any better. Nice. I don't even know where to go from there. That's such a different response that I'm used to getting <laughs> from you when I ask how you are. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> if uh, I was any better, I'd be you, buddy. Wow. I got to think about that for a minute. Damn. This is the HP podcast for the one of the first times in my entire life. I'm speechless. Don't know what to say. Uh, here we are with unemployed Dave and, and actually in good mood, Brandon. Um, it's a wild world out there. If new you want to new me, if you, new year, I think that's like six times in a in a week in a, uh, the last six weeks you said that. 
Um, if you want to help support the show, you can go over to patreon.com slash handsome phantom. Support us for as little as a dollar a month. If you want the audio versions of the show, you can get them a day early before the audio drops and you get them ad free as well. You can support us there for as little as a dollar a month, like I mentioned. Also, for totally free, you can hang out in our Discord over at handsomephantom.com slash Discord. Chill with the folks, chat about the video games, and whatever else you feel like. Because after all, this show is about video games, even if it takes us a while to talk about them sometimes. Uh, but we do have kind of a stacked show, and mostly because the state of play was today. Um, I don't know, so for once in our lives, maybe we just get on with it? Go on, get. Dave, Dave says no. He looks like he disagrees. No, that was that was uh, that was like a who yeah, who yeah. Okay, Kauga. Let's do it. Our first story of the night. The state of play happened earlier today, and I just figured for this, uh, we could talk about some overarching thoughts and then run down through. There weren't that many things, so we can talk about all of them. I am just pulling from the IGN uh, everything announced at the state of play article because I. Didn't need to watch it the second time to gather them all. Uh, so, Brandon, start it off. Did you get a chance to watch the show? What did you think overall? Uh, just like general impressions were like mid. <laughs> I don't know. It was fine. Like I, I didn't think anything crazy was going to happen. But at the same point, when it rolled to the end and they're like, one more thing before we go, I was hoping for something bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just Kojima, which is great. Um, but I see that dude everywhere, like literally <laughs> everywhere. Like, I feel like I At just saw. Station. Some, well, I just feel like I just saw some of so much of his shit, and I'm not like digging at the guy. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm like, I just, I just got my Kojima son for the for the next couple of months. Uh, yeah. So, no, but it was good overall. I guess short and sweet. Um, wouldn't mind more of these scattered throughout the year. I think that 40 minutes is pretty digestible. Mm-hmm. I think coming off the back of something like the Game Awards, this almost felt refreshing as far as the length goes. The content necessarily wasn't as riveting. Um, that's arguable, but it is kind of nice to have a nice little concise bit of stuff. And I, thankfully, I didn't watch it live, so I got to skip the entire VR part, which I was really excited about. <laughs> So, nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was fine overall, but um Dave, did you did you enjoy it? Did you get a chance to to peep it? I did. Um I watched it live. I missed uh about 10 minutes in the middle of it, but I I caught back up later. Um but yeah, I kind of agree with you Brandon. It it mid is a good way to describe it. I I still um feel the same way about Sony's 2024 uh, coming out of that state of play that I went going into it, but there was still some stuff in there that um, I'm excited about. So, um, yeah, I agree. I I think more of these would be nice. I, I really think the gaming industry has gotten the message that if you're going to show us something, show gameplay. Um, you know, I, I don't think we really saw any title cards or teasers or anything like that. Um, even Judas's trailer uh was pretty well balanced like we got about half story and like a nice chunk of gameplay at the end so um yeah props to to all the gameplay shown but nothing that really was world shattering for me so i feel a little lopsided on this one because normally i'm the one not with this group of us three but normally i'm the one who's like that yeah, well, it was okay and everybody online's like freaking out about something and this time i'm kind of like 
Yeah, that was pretty good. I was pretty impressed with the showings. Maybe it's just because of, you know, more than average of the amount of games appealed to me. Uh, of course, that is how most people are going to judge it, um, whether something appealed to them or not. But yeah, I thought it was decent. I think it could have been better, as Dave alluded to, if there was more directly from Sony, because we don't have any idea what they're doing. I assume they're putting out some games eventually, but we don't know about many of them right now. So interesting times for sure. Let's go ahead and start breaking down stuff. And I'm just going to go in the order here that's in the IGN article, like I mentioned. Uh, the first one, Death Stranding 2, officially titled Death Stranding 2 on the beach. Uh, we got a little bit, I think, of a leak of this uh, earlier in the week or last week. And uh, coming in 2025, at least that's what the trailer said. Of course, you never really know. Kind of a wacky trailer here, as we would come to expect from Kojima and or Death Stranding. But Brandon, as a big yeah. Death Stranding fan, yeah, how are you absolutely. feeling? Honestly, um, wacky is probably the best way to describe it. Um, I would say in a lot of ways, Death Stranding is a difficult game to pitch to anybody, um, let alone someone who plays games. It's such a complex and convoluted story that works really well when you're playing it. But to describe it to somebody is very difficult. Um, I've tried mm -hmm. um, and probably sounded like a crazy person. Like I had the tinfoil hat on. Like, so there's this baby that died inside the mom, right? And there's a death world. And trying to sell death stranding to Janet in accounting at work. <laughs> and also you deliver packages and dead bodies. Um, <laughs> and if the, if, if the bodies are there too long, right, there's right, trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Um, but no, you know, nothing short of very Kojima. Um, I'm glad to see uh, Higgs back. Um, I was uh, I was interested who was in that suit with the intestines and the mask, but mm -hmm. he revealed a full David Bowie face paint going on. <laughs> um, very, very cool. Obviously, really wacky. He's kind of good at that sort of thing. But the fucking just to kind of kick it up a notch, like all of it aside could have been wacky. And then the dude pulls out a fucking guitar gun. That's also a fucking melee weapon. <laughs> and I, it's just, it's so crazy. And the, uh, um, fragile with her fucking hand mask face yeah, stuff. That was that, like cool. lights the cigarette. I was it's confused cool. what was going on there for a minute. It's cool. My parents were actually over there. They had dinner with me and they're like, Oh, yeah. look at those hands on her face. And I'm like, well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just kind of like, he's like that. Yeah. <laughs> he's hella quiet unless you know him for real. Has Ray Duncan um, played Death Stranding? No, no, no. And I, I would never recommend that you to don't him. You think so? Okay. No, no. Although, I just want to hear the rants from him after he plays like two hours of it and see what he thinks. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, Death Stranding is kind of frustrating in some ways. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. There, there's so many good things about it that kind of make it power through, but there are some incredibly frustrating things, so I would never recommend that. For the sanity of my mother, not even him, like I don't care if he's frustrated, <laughs> just my mother has to live with him after he's playing that and while he's playing that, so yeah, I would never yeah, do that. Yeah. Um, but really long-winded uh, way to say that um, Death Stranding, glad we finally got a title card. Kind of surprised. I really did think it was going to be coming out this year. Mm. I'm not mad. You know, I'm sure some people on Twitter are going to be all butthurt about it, but I did think it was going to come out this year. But um, who knows? Maybe we'll get an early release next year. But yeah. it looks super, super interesting as always. Very, very Kojima. That's how I would describe it. So, Dave, did you, you didn't play Death Stranding, correct? No. Um, do you have an interest in playing Death Stranding? So, you know, if, if the regular listeners could kind of like 
I don't know, do something else for the next couple of minutes because I need to <laughs> I need to talk for a second. Uh, I have been uh, outspoken on this show before about my my thoughts and feelings about the pretentiousness of uh, Kojima over the past, uh, basically since uh, Metal Gear Solid kind of ended. But, you know, he he left um, Konami, um, and for the first like minute or so of this trailer i was as confused and irritated as i always am when i'm trying to consume anything from kojima i'm like why does the cat have wings and what the fuck are those little gloves on her face and and stuff like that like everything just seems like it's intentionally trying to be weird yes but by the time we got to troy baker's character appearing i i started to have reservations and thoughts in my head um that maybe I need to eat my words a little bit. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I grew up loving the Metal Gear Solid franchise, and I think one of the reasons I really got into um, games media is because uh, I loved watching E3 just because it was my chance to see the next Metal Gear Solid trailer. And they were just like that trailer that we saw today, like so much in it. Like you could sit there and watch it for hours on repeat and you get something new every single time. And watching that trailer today, I kind of missed that feeling. And um, I'm going to eat my words a little bit. I kind of want to play Death Stranding now. And I kind of want to, like, play Death Stranding to a launch if I, if you know, I get into Death Stranding. Because, like, I don't know. I started to feel that old feeling a little bit. And, uh, you know, I'm willing to eat my words. Um, I can't yeah, that- fight that feeling anymore. Yeah, like well, you know, Kojima's. I haven't had this feeling before, oh. but that that, that yeah. was a good trailer. That was a very yeah. good trailer, and I uh, I'm I'm interested. I'll yeah. I'll say that I uh, you know I'm putting myself out there, Brandon. I'm 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 kneeling before the courts, and and, and I'm apologizing good. to Kojima. He he listens he, he listens to the show regularly. Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, so Kojima's you know, son. I'm sorry. You know, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna give your game a shot. I think. So it's funny because when uh when Death Str- the first Death Stranding was coming out my friend texted me and we were at the game awards or e3 or something and there was a trailer for it and while it was like still happening my friend texted me it was like what is going on what is going on with that's death stranding and i responded back i, and I said know. i don't know it's <laughs> kojima you just accept it and then this time during this state of play i had multiple friends text me and be like what is happening? What is, I don't understand death stranding. I had, I had a friend that I streamed with last night be like, sell me on death stranding. I was like, I can't, like, I just can't do it. I just play it or don't. Yeah. Don't you, you really do have to just kind of, yeah. Get into it. I'm, I'm super interested. I'm, I never finished death stranding. I have played about 60 hours of it because I did two different playthroughs and played like that much total. So I'm going to, that's, it's not my resolution or anything, you know, I'm not changing things up here, but I, I need to play it and finish it this year. Um, I'm going to have to start it over because there's no chance I'm going to go in halfway through the game and, and play it from there. But yeah, it looks good. Kojima is up his own ass, but I I'm here for it anyway, because he's, he's never let us down. Like, has there been a actually like not a Kojima game you didn't like as much as another one, but an actually bad Kojima game. I don't think so. I don't think there has been. So I'm here for it. Yeah. Yeah, me too. And also kind of like as a side note, boys, was it officially titled his like movie project? No, I was was there was an Easter egg at the, at the end when it pulled out to like that Universal Studios or whatever it was. Yeah. 
Was, I ahead. don't know if that was supposed to be the title, but I, I assume that was some reference to thing. Yeah, because that's not on that actual sign, right? But no. yeah, that's they announced that Kojima is working on a new IP for PlayStation. They haven't even really started development, just planning phases. Uh, it's an action espionage game, of course. And we've always known Kojima wants to make movies. And of course, we saw at the Xbox showcase, he was working on, or what was that? The Game Awards. The Game Awards. He's working yeah. on some kind of more, you know, live action type thing. So we don't know what this is, but he's working on it. Yeah. And I mean, to be completely honest with you, it's just like the man's got good friends to want to try and get into directing. I mean, yeah. he's clearly good friends with Guillermo del Toro. And yeah. I mean, we all know that oh, he guy, has so. the connections. I think it's just a matter of, uh, and I'm sure he could fund it and or get it funded easily. But right. Yeah. And you, you have to wonder because. Okay, so you put, I, I even imagine it's hard in the video game space. Ko- Kojima comes in and says, there's a game about a guy who delivers packages and dead bodies. And they're like, okay, but we're going to do it because we know Kojima. When you get into the movie realm, it's a little different because they don't know Kojima the same way we know Kojima. And he's like, we're going to make a movie about this guy who delivers packages and carries dead bodies and they're like yeah but okay so what's in the movie he's like it's just it that's it that's what happens that's the whole thing and there's there's also a guy with like a bunch of swords and um yeah so that's it and they're like no so i imagine it's a little bit more of a hurdle for him to get into like with a with a distributor or studio or something but there's plenty of like yeah anybody would do it it still i think i was gonna say i don't know though because he even mentioned this this is like a perfect partnership i mean Mm -hmm. you have someone that is clearly contributing heavily to the video games division of this company and they have a film division (laughs) right right so it's like yeah well is there a death stranding something coming i wouldn't be surprised radic is in chat he would be to ask but i don't think there is but i i think this is something completely new oh Um, there is there is oh is there um Kojima Productions and A24. A24, go figure. Dude, um, yes. That's yeah. going to be fucking awesome. I thought I remembered something about yeah, it. Yeah, that's going to be sick. Yeah. So, yeah. But anyway, the point is, Kojima wants to make movies, and he's whatever this game is with Sony that they announced will be interesting. Let's move on before we get too bogged down in Kojima land. Dave, I'm really excited for you to play Death Stranding. Um, we got a deep dive on Rise of the Ronin. I don't want to you know, we're not going to talk like here's the trailer word for word. But are either of you guys interested in Rise of the Ronin? Is it something you're looking at, Dave? Yeah, I mean, oh sorry, oh, Brandon. Go sorry. ahead. Go ahead. No, my bad, Dave. Um, um go yeah, ahead. sorry. I'll, I'll just quickly kind of jump in here. Um, th- there is something about this game that just isn't kind of living up to the standard that I have for a PS5 exclusive. I get that it's not first party, but every time I've seen it, I've kind of felt like this doesn't give me sort of the fizzle that I want from a game that's exclusively on my Sony console, the way that, you know, God of war does and horizon and ratchet. And again, I understand those are first party games and this is a bit of a different thing, but it's still everything I've seen from rise of the Ronin just kind of is a microcosm of why, what, what I think of 2024 for Sony, where it's just like, there's things there, but it's not enough to kind of really get me excited. Um, I think 
this trailer was good because it it it's this game will inevitably draw comparisons to Ghost of Tsushima. That's just that's just fact. It's going to happen. But I think this trailer did a good job of kind of separating it from that. Um, it seems like it's a much more action oriented game, um, both in combat and traversal, which is good. And I think it's the setting in which it's in, which is uh, the Pakumatsu Bakumatsu era so you know late 19th century um i think that's going to be huge for the game because that was a really interesting time similar to the last samurai the movie um and i think that that's really going to sort of give it a strong story and setting so i think that's good but just when i kind of look at the game it's it's i don't know there's not enough there for me to really kind of get excited for it and need to play it on day one so i don't know brandon what were your thoughts yeah, I mean, I'm a I'm a fan of Team Ninja. Um, Neo One was one of my favorite games that I played on my PS4, bar none. Um, I didn't really enjoy Neo Two as much, and I think I was kind of an outlier on that. I think I needed to put more time into it, and I wasn't it didn't willing sell very to. Well. well, I wasn't willing to invest the time. I feel like it was just as good as Neo One, um, but I wasn't there. You know, I, I I put like 150 hours into Neo One, and I just wasn't trying to do that again. Um, but Rise of Ronin, what I'm going to say about it is that it intrigues me. But I will say that after seeing gameplay, oddly enough, I'm like less interested in it, and I don't know why. Um, it gives me a lot of Sekiro vibes. It gives me some. Breath of the Wild ass vibes with the fucking glider and stuff. You know, I'm seeing a lot of different things that are kind of like reminding me of other games. Um, I think it will fit somewhere close to where Sekiro is, maybe not combat wise, but a lot of the grappling um, reminded me of that. So I don't know. I know they make good games. David mentioned the combat. I think that the combat in these games are usually really, really, really fucking solid. Um, I'm talking like from software levels of solid combat. So I think that's another thing that will kind of shine through in this game. Um, I do want to see more because my last experience with a, a Team Ninja game was Neo, and it was more of a linear experience. And this definitely seems more traversal heavy, potentially more open in a lot of ways. Um, now I know he was in a city, but I would ex- I would assume that that kind of would be expanded upon in the world. Um, there were some interesting things like pulling people off of fucking towers with the grapples and then criticaling them. So definitely some interesting stuff going on. Um, and I think it will be something I'm interested in. Interested enough to buy a day one. I don't think I'm there yet. I think I was for some reason more excited for the trailer than I was for the gameplay. Um, and I think that's me, not the game. Um, so I don't know. It looks cool. I, I, I do have a uh a lot of respect for Team Ninja. So, yeah, this is not traditionally my my style of game. I mean, I like, I guess, I like literally the style, but I didn't, I haven't really clicked with Team Ninja games in the past, and I've played, I tried to play a couple of them. So, I don't know. Uh, it's definitely not a day one purchase for me, unless something crazy changes, or I don't know. But it's something I'll probably at least try out, and I think for. Neo 2, at least, if not Neo 1 as well, they had a demo, so I'm sure I'll try that out if they do for Rise of the Ronin as well. Um, but yeah, it's probably a borrow from somebody, a friend who has it kind of thing. I'll I'll probably buy it. Yeah, eventually. <laughs> who, who am I joking? <laughs> ben, Benji says more like rest of the Romans, so I assume that means he's not hot on it. Uh, Tom says, Brandon, Neo 2 was so much better than 1. Fair play if you put that many hours into the original, though. So, yeah, it seems like there's some people who think at least one person, Tom, in chat, 
he says you're wrong. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I, I, well, I think it's actually kind of unfortunate because I feel like Neo 1 and 2 are great games, but they didn't do as well. So I think it yeah. it's smart for them to kind of pivot. I'm not saying this is a similar game whatsoever. Even thematically, it's different, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm glad they didn't go with Neo 3 because yeah. I feel like this talented studio could use the boost from a new IP. So honestly, I like I said, I, I want it to do well. And I think it... I don't know if it will do commercially well, but I think it will be a good game. Let's move on to Stellar Blade, boys. Oh, hell yeah. I'm in on Stellar Blade. I'm just hell I'm just going to say I'm in. I've been in. I'm going to stay in, hopefully. Uh, action. Well, how do you define this genre? Just an action. I don't know. I get like, you know, DMC vibes from it. Devil May Cry 5. I was getting like near vibes, too. So. Uh, definitely some near vibes. Um, you got that more probably because of the anime esque uh, no. hot protagonist no. thing. No. But um, Dave, you're just giggling at us over there. Yeah, I had to pause the video and masturbate like four times, so <laughs> I can't play that game. <laughs> Rookie numbers. Rookie numbers. You buddy. gotta go for the no hands if you're gonna play this game. Rookie. Yeah, numbers. I mean, I like the I like the Devil May Cry. Um, Mm-hmm. comparison i i've loved those games um a lot of it just seemed really derivative though like the post-apocalyptic yeah. stuff and yeah uh, a lot of the environments seem really kind of bland and meh and then you have this protagonist who's just jumping off the screen um but yeah mm-hmm. no oh, i've see, really... see, seen it so i'd like to uh <laughs> just kind of mention that um, two honorable mentions for the j- Jiggle Physics the entire time. Uh, first and foremost, we have Stellar Blade Jiggle Physics, which I was in full um, concentration on. This angel character has got me thinking. Um, and, and I don't know if you're going to mention it, but I'm going to say it now while we're talking about the Jiggle. Hoyoverse, um, Zenless Zero, uh, also Jiggly. I did mention that last showcase. Thank you for doubling down on the Jiggle. Your boy knows what's up. <laughs> Um, and, I am sorry. Uh, I have to say, I'm so surprised that it took 27 minutes for someone to use the word jiggle physics in this episode. So, <laughs> dude, dude, this this is like cutting edge technology. How dare you downplay it like this? <laughs> um, this is like this is like akin to ray tracing. You know, it's like the new thing. So, um, your boy's not mad. He did notice, and he will continue to notice. I will report back every jiggling physics in every game trailer that I see. From 2024 onwards, I will be the connoisseur of Jiggle. Yeah, I feel uh, like you've been the connoisseur of Jiggle for a while. Hit me up. Hit yeah. me up. Yeah. You know well, who I'm I'm about. in. Um, either way. I just, I like games like this. And I don't mean with with uh, hot protagonists necessarily. Yeah, I mean, it helps. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I just like action games. Dragon's Dogma 2. Are either are any of us interested in Dragon's Dogma? I mean, it looks awesome. Very much. Very oh, much. really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about it. Tell me about it, Dave and Brandon. Um, after I played Monster Hunter World for the first time, I I realized I really should have been in on Dragon's Dogma, because um, it's 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 just it seems like such a cool marriage between uh, like Dragon Age and Monster Hunter, um, and I love that that kind of game is built around that that really unique way of battling monsters um in the in the environment jumping on them and stuff and it it appears to have i didn't play the original but it it kind of seems like it has that really dynamic combat that monster hunter has without the limitations uh that monster hunter gives you in terms of moving around 
Uh, like you, it seems like you can kind of freely dodge and you don't have to reload your weapon or sharpen it and stuff like that. So a little bit more arcadey in that respect. So yeah, I'm all in on Dragon's Dogma 2. Or Oh My Godma 2. As <laughs> Benji in chat says, yeah. Yeah. No, it looks good. I don't really have much more to say. I didn't get in on the series originally. Um, I feel like I did miss out, but uh, kind of interested in the next iteration. And they've also kind of been throwing shade um, at other developers, which has been pretty interesting oh, yeah? to see at, about fast traveling. Did you not see that going no. around the news cycle? Uh, one of the, def- I think it was the developer. Someone on the team was like, yeah, anytime there's like a lot of fast traveling in games or players use fast travel a lot, like it's for a reason. It's because your open world is boring. <laughs> yeah. Like he's like, yeah, I, he's right. Yeah. I mean, I guess he's right. Like, yeah, I don't know. So, um, respect for them and honestly the trailer was dope um i'd be i feel like we did see gameplay i think i can't really tell it didn't look like you know not that i need to see a relic reticle on the screen or like ui elements necessarily but i'd be more interested to see how the moment to moment gameplay is i feel Um, like when they were like walking around and stuff that was definitely gameplay but i don't know about the actions battle sequences right so although i think it was I'm going to keep keep my eye on this one for sure. Um, I've heard amazing things about the series, and I think this will probably be another one, much like Baldur's Gate, that I kind of jump into when the when the getting is ready. So yeah, nice, Dave. This one's uh, for for our buddy Phil, but I'm going to let you take the lead on it. Uh, Sonic X Gen- Shadow Generations, the remaster of Sonic Generations, which is only what ten or twelve years old. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm not really pitching it to Dave. I just wanted to mention that. You can talk this about is, it if you want, but no, this I, is a Nintendo only property, you right? You wanted me to, you wanted me to no. comment on it, but uh, no, I have nothing to say. What did you say, Brandon? I said, why is this at the state of play if Sonic is only on Nintendo? I, I forgot you you believed that <laughs> for a while there. We all forgot until you just reminded us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I honestly just figured the inferior product should be on the inferior console. That's kind of what I just assumed. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah, I guess. There is no Sega anymore. The Sega Genesis is gone, so... When will you learn that your actions have consequences? (laughs) When will you learn? It's 100% Sonic's fault. Uh, Konami was there to reveal Silent Hill The Short Message, which is a free-to-play spinoff that is available, I think, now. Uh, And then they also shared a new trailer for the remake of Silent Hill 2. No release date given. Are either of you into Silent Hill? I'm not. Uh, it's not that I'm not into it. It's that I never, I never, I never got into it. Like I never played it. No. Just yeah. I mean, the, uh, the free to play aspect looks cool. Well, that's um, just for the, uh, the, like the, the, the lost tapes, whatever. Yeah. It's kind of interesting that it's free. Um, it's something completely new to my understanding. And I think that's kind of cool. Not that I'm not interested for people that do love Silent Hill to kind of play something old, and we know how how hot Resident Evil is right now, yeah. and all the remakes. So I'm not I'm not at all surprised that this is coming down the pipeline when it is. Um, but I'm glad to see something fresh because mm-hmm. I was I, I was interested. Yeah, um, fresh like sure. a remaster. Nothing says fresh like a remake remaster, right? No, I mean like the fucking the lost tapes, brother. <laughs> um, uh, it's funny because. I always had the impression with Silent Hill that it wasn't like terribly focused on combat, but it felt like that trailer was a little more focused on some combat aspects. Yeah, he, he was beating the shit out of those like paraplegic people. 
<laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, in chat, Radic, I don't know if this is one of your Zoomer words, but he says, I'm not a Silent Hill fan, but that trailer looked rough. Now, you know, I know that like some things that's like rough could mean good, or does rough still mean rough? No, rough because means like rough, like bad means good in in the eighties, <laughs> right? That's pretty. That's a bad. That's bad. No, or like no, it's not. It's okay, not like it's, Michael Jackson bad. It's like actually bad. Okay, all right. Tom says Sonic games are just a containment for furries now. Uh, <laughs> they, they need keeping <laughs> occupied or all doomed. That is a good point, boys. I know we're gonna want to stop and park on this one for a minute. Judas. Ooh, we new game God, Ken Levine. Damn. Full trailer was shown uh, a good mix of a little bit of everything in there. Looks a lot, a lot like it's, uh, you know, from the developer, the original creator of Bioshock for sure. Yeah. But Brandon, what do you think about the trailer for Judas? I'm just going to tell you how I initially felt and then I'm going to reel it in. Okay. Right? I was excited when the last Judas trailer came out. We were all excited. The art style was cool. You had a big fucking dog mobile. You guys remember that one? I, yeah, we were in the same room together, I think, at the time. Yeah, it was cool. This is more of the same. We got some combat, which looked really awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, we got some more intrigue into the story, some space elements, some uh, timeline or like planting of memory elements. So we're getting some of the weirdness that Bioshock already has to it, you know, in the sure. past, some of the yeah. some of the interesting story connections. Um And I don't want to kind of take too much away from that. But what I will say is I have learned my lesson as a gamer. It's very hard for gamers to do this. Um, To learn the lesson? A small part of me thinks that this game might be trash. No. Just just a tiny part of me. And I want to be wrong. I want to be wrong so much. But when I was watching that gameplay, do you know what I was thinking of? Atomic Heart. Yeah, I got that. Yeah. Yeah. In a good and way, do you want to know why I was thinking of Atomic Heart? Not necessarily because it shares some similar combat aspects, but I was thinking about how good the trailer for Atomic Heart and how much we talked it up and how fucking sick it looked. Yeah. And it played fine. Mm-hmm. Like I enjoyed my time with Atomic Heart, but I didn't love my time with Atomic Heart. I'm never going to play Atomic Heart again. So like I said, I don't want to take too much of away from it. And we didn't see that much, boys. We really didn't see that much. But what I'm going to say is I am cautiously optimistic. Um, I think that we're in kind of a little bit of a weird situation where there hasn't been um, love for the IP in a long time or something akin to the IP. We got a new studio and we don't have Ken. So, you know, not that you can't make a good game without Ken. No, this is Ken. This is Ken too? Yeah. This is his new I'm, studio. I'm tripping, dog. I'm tripping. First Sonic, now Ken. So that's, I think that's where I was confused about your comparison because we all said that, you know, Atomic Heart looked a lot like Bioshock. Sure. But it was looking like Bioshock without the people who made Bioshock. This is sure. looking like Bioshock with the guy who made Bioshock. See, look, I'm fumbling all show. I give up. Dave, what did you think? <laughs> <laughs> Um, quickly brush it under the rug yeah. <laughs> edit I, this out Ben edit this out the, yeah I'll make sure to definitely not minutes. do that yeah, yeah, edit no it out of this live show Yeah, um, I do like that <laughs> Ken Levine seems to be sticking close to something he had so much success with and what I mean by that is it's it, it doesn't appear like he's trying really hard to make something that isn't Bioshock like yeah. 
Bioshock was great and it was great for a reason. And, you know, this game isn't called Bioshock, but it's definitely got the DNA. So I, I kind of like that. Um, so yeah, I think as I said earlier, the trailer we got today seemed a little bit more story focused, at least for the first half. And I'm really digging what they're, what they appear to be doing with the story. It, it seems to have those kind of big brother slash the hand that feeds vibes that Bioshock had, but it's got like some, some modern day kind of parallels. Like they said something like everything you do is being recorded. So I, yeah. I the first thing that came to mind was social media. So I like that there's kind of, you know, that, that modern day kind of twist in it. So again, it's, it's also cryptic and stuff. So who knows what it actually means, but, um, from the small snippet we got of the story, I, I was really intrigued. Um, so yeah, I'm still pretty hot on Judas. The gameplay looked great. Um, graphics are really stylized just like Bioshock was. So yeah, I think this game might be, um, you know, when all is said and done accused of, of not taking any chances, but, and I understand that, but at the same time, I'm, I'm kind of happy to see it. Yeah. Yeah. You put, you put it perfectly, Dave, I think, well, let me say this. There is sometimes in my mind where a developer is continuing to make a game that seems very much like the last game they made. And I'm like, okay, come on, let's do something else. But with, with this, I feel like Ken has given us every reason to think that he will innovate while staying the same. And by staying the same, I don't mean it's going to be the same game. I just mean like heavily inspired by, but there's no chance it's going to move backwards or, or stay still. So I'm excited for it. We have no, any kind of even time frame. I think on that one, um, I think it, I don't think it gave us, I think it just said in development. I don't think it said even a year. So who knows? Who knows? Uh, Gafferman says Judas's innovations are its narrative Lego style story though. Um, yeah, there'll be innovations for sure. It's not going to be stagnant at all, in my opinion. Next up, V Rising. This game's been out uh, at least in early access on PC for a long time. Coming over to PS5 now. I don't think any of the three of us have played it, but if anybody has anything to say, feel free. No? Okay. Here we go. This is one we can really get into for a minute, at least Dave and I. Dave the Diver coming to PlayStation. And they not only announced it's coming in April, but then in May, and I assume for all platforms... They're bringing Godzilla. Godzilla's coming to Dave the Diver. Dave, how do you feel? You're the one who recommended this game to me. Yeah, that's. Uh, it's good to see that there's new content coming. I don't really care that it's coming to PlayStation because, as right. I said in the past, this is this is a game that um, I think actually I, I I had to remind myself I got this game on PC, but my preferred place to play it, which is now available on, would be the Switch. Yeah. Um. So. So yeah, I mean it, it's great I've been that it's on com- Steam Deck, by the way. It's great. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, I'm glad it's coming to PlayStation for people who haven't played it because they don't have those other platforms. But this to me is a handheld game. But yeah, I'm happy to see that there's new content coming and it looks really cool. So I'm very into Godzilla. I have been since I was a young wee lad. So I'm I'm pumped for that. Brandon, you gonna give it a shot? You gonna play it? Now that there's Godzilla, going to be Godzilla? Come on. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed, honestly, the little itty-bitty time that I had with the game. I'm glad to own it. Um, I don't think Godzilla is going to bring me back more than the game itself, but um, yeah, I definitely need to get around to it. It's yeah. There is absolutely no reason I stopped playing it. 
Um, I enjoyed every bit of the the time I had. So glad to see that it's coming to PlayStation, though. That's good. Zenless Zone Zero from Hoyoverse. I know, Brandon, you've already given your critique of the jiggle physics. Jiggle, um, jiggle, jiggle. I'm just, uh, I'm not interested in anything from Hoyoverse right now because everything else from them has been uh, life-consuming and everywhere on the planet. But it looked, you know, it looked quality. I'm sure Dude, it they're will ta- be. They're talented. Yeah. So, like, I'm obviously interested in anything they play. I agree with you. I think, um, oh, for God's sakes. What's that game called? Hoyoverse. Gen- Genshin? Genshin Impact. That's what it's fucking called. Um, yeah, that was kind of tough to get into. The intro is ass in that game. It's so fucking long. Yeah. Um, but you and I played un- that game back at release for like a couple hours, and that was that was enough for me. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like we even previewed it or saw it at PAX too before it came out. We did, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, props to them. They've kind of made it into an insanely large. Um, oh, it's venture. gigantic. Yeah. Um, it's bigger than they could have ever imagined, I'm sure. But interested to see what they put out because clearly they're willing to continually support their games, uh, even be it by microtransactions. So Yeah. Uh, then we got in, well, we're getting into the VR part. We had a trailer for Metro Awakening for Legendary Tales. Um, I know you guys aren't into VR and I've been out of a VR loop for probably a year now, although I still like VR. The Metro Awakening looks sick. Metro's uh, awesome. Metro's great, a great franchise in general. I'm sad that it's only going to be VR, a new, a new title in Metro, but maybe that means there's, you know, something else coming down the road. Sure. Uh, and then Legendary Tales, I don't know, it just looked kind of generic to me. But I can I talk about Legendary Tales for just a second as not a do. VR person? Yeah. I got kind of a charming, janky vibe from this yeah, game, and yeah. I don't know if it was intentional, but I couldn't help but getting the sense that like. This game is trying to embrace like having fun with VR as mm-hmm. opposed to just getting so swept up and making it super immersive. Yeah. I just wanted to say that about this game. Again, not a VR person, but it did stand out to me. So if I yeah. had VR, I would I would be keeping an eye on this game. But there's a few VR, PSVR, Oculus specifically games that um are like this and that they're very, you know, almost medieval lots of skeletons and stuff like that, and you're swinging an axe and everything. And some of them have been really good, some of them have been really bad. I do agree this one looked cool, but I just can't I just can't care about it because, one, I'm not into VR right now, and two, there's just so many of them. But I agree, Dave. Yeah, it did have a little bit something different than we've seen in the past. Uh, I do think Metro, though, is is would be cool for to be in VR in, in the Metro world. I think oh, dude, absolutely. That, that game, those games can be super scary sometimes, and I feel like it's a nice marrying of aspects for VR. Yeah. We got another look at Foam Stars. It's launching next week. Foam me, daddy. I know that, uh, that nobody <laughs> here is really excited about Foam Stars, but it is it's coming to PlayStation free. Plus, so it will be included with your subscription if you have PlayStation Plus at any level. Anything interesting? Any new revelations about Square's newest game? I think it's going to be super mid and yeah. uh, have a lot of microtransactions. That's my yeah. take. I th- I think it'll probably be fun. Honestly, we should hop on and play a game or two, and then we'll probably go play something that's better. But yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sure it's fine. Lastly, and actually, it was first in the show, but it's last in this write up. 
Helldivers 2. Yes. Uh, still looks great to me. Still looks great. Still looks great. I'm thinking I might play this one on PC. I don't know. If, I was if, actually... If there's crossplay, because I, I want to play with Dave if he's going to play it. I meant to talk to you is I have to decide where I'm going to buy it, and that will that will depend on where my friends buy it. So Yeah. Agreed. Dave, any... Uh, you're interested in Helldivers, I know. Big time, yeah. And yeah. I, I think this game is really going to benefit from that that switch to third person as opposed to isometric. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm really excited to jump into this. I hope it's cross-play because I think this would be a, a PlayStation game for me. But uh, And that's next week, I think, it comes out. Yeah, dude, it's, it's, it's in eight days. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow, that's that exciting. quickly. Yeah. I didn't even realize so, that. Yeah, well, we got to be gone. Out. You're gone next week and I'm gone the week after, so I probably won't pick it up till the week after that. So, Damn. We'll see. Fair enough. It's going to be sweaty by then. That's yeah. okay. All, the All right. will have adapted. We got to move a little quicker. We don't have to. We can be here as long as we want, but we normally don't. Uh, we appreciate the attention you give us. We don't want to take advantage of it. Um, number two, though, on the list, something near and dear to our hearts as gamers. Uh, the Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League faced its second unplanned downtime during its early access window, frustrating players who purchased the deluxe edition for a premium and expected early access perks. The game was taken offline within an hour of early access commencement due to a bug marking players' story completion at 100% upon login. So a lot of people logged in and saw the end cussing. An additional round <laughs> of scheduled maintenance ensued, inconveniencing players and raising concerns about the game's stability. Rocksteady, the developer, faced criticism as players experienced disruptions, especially those paying extra for an early preview of the game. We don't have to spend a lot of time on this because we talked about our experience with uh, the, the alpha or the beta or whatever it was. Uh, back in November, I think. But Dave, um, just the idea of early access, I remember seeing specifically for this one, they had a disclaimer. Any downtime during early access period is not uh, eligible for a refund or something. You know, it was worded better than that, but something like that. And I get it. If the game's just flat out broken, you're going to have to take it down and put it up. But also, come on, man. It's this is not a competitive game. So if you buy a game, if you pre-order a game or pay any extra money or anything, if you're relying on early access for a game like this, like you have to know that there's an inherent risk. Yeah. Um, this thing happens with these kind of games. Nobody's going to remember this in a week. I do find the glitch is really funny though, because like booting <laughs> up the game, like the speed running community must have lost their mind because yeah. it's just like, we can't beat this. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It it is what it is. It's 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 a games as a service game. It relies on servers, and this this is kind of par for the course, unfortunately. But yeah, don't pre-order for early access in a game like this. You know, if this happened with COD and like you missed a day of grinding out COD stuff, then I understand being pissed off. But it's just kind of the risk you run. Um, I was really surprised at uh, how how many sponsored streams there were yesterday. Oh, really? Um, I guess I shouldn't have because it's WB we're talking about, but they're clearly making an effort because everybody yeah. on my, or virtually everyone on my, on my Twitch follower feed, except for Brandon, uh, were playing this game, uh, yesterday and it looked fine to me once it launched on steam, yeah. which was a little bit later in the day. So yeah, I think this, these, these launch issues will be quickly forgotten, but yeah, don't, don't pre-order stuff. It, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, this is um, or don't pre-order specifically for early access if you're going to pre-order. I guess is is the thing. Um, it's a little more safe with I think single player games and games that don't rely on 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 always online servers. But 
you know, it's still a risk. I am still interested in this game. I know we didn't have a great time with it when we played it in November. Um, we played the alpha, but I'm still interested. I think the bones uh, look fun and I like the characters and I like the, the universe it's set in, but I just still contend that it's not a full price game for me. Um, maybe the, I'm sure it is for many other people, but for me, it's definitely a wait for a sale kind of thing. Um, Brandon, any, any additional thoughts? Not so much about Suicide Squad, but just about, you know, the pre-order fiasco with early access. Yeah, I mean, it kind of is what it is. Um, everyone that wanted to play it early and pump out content uh, gets even more content to be butthurt about. So um, by all accounts, it looks fine. Uh, like you said, I do agree with you wholeheartedly that for me, this isn't something that would be worth full price. Um, but it's passingly interesting to me. Um, and like we said previously, not to kind of tread over old water, but um, it was fun. The moment to moment is fun and the story is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Who, who knows? I'm sure it'll be on sale quickly, honestly. Um, I can't say that with certainty, but I guess we'll wait to see how it does here in the next week or so. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if within two or three months we saw this on sale. I think it'll sell at least decently because of the developer and because of the IP. Right. I think that alone is going to is going to do well. Uh, Lockmort, our buddy Lockmort is in chat and uh, he says it's great. I've seen him talking about that it's good in the past too. So I know some people are enjoying it. Um, if it's anything like the the beta or the, again, I think it was an alpha technically is what they called it, but I did enjoy it, but not to the extent that I wanted to play it at full price. Right. Like I was having fun. I thought the movement was good. I thought the combat was good. The story even seemed, the, the voice acting even seemed like it was going to be good, but as a package, it just didn't feel right to me. So again, a game I would like to play, but I'll wait for a sale probably. Um, yeah, it's and and I think it would be a lot of fun with friends personally. Yeah, but yeah, absolutely. We'll it's gonna be on Game Pass by June. That's my guess. That's kind of my. Th- I mentioned months ago that I thought this would be the perfect game for a subscription service because it's it's good enough that you can get a lot of people in if they're not paying extra for it. But it's a hard sell when it's a full price game. I think. Do we want to talk about at all them not sending out review codes? At least to I, IGN put out a review in progress where they just said a review isn't up because we didn't get a code. Yeah. Which is telling. I, I don't know what it means, but it. I mean, I think it's a non story personally because, to my knowledge, basically no one got review codes yeah. because it is. A, they, had, they would have had to turn the servers on early, and I'm sure they were still working on things. But I do think like there are games that that do turn on the servers early, like Diablo did. Um, so I mean, I think it's a matter. It's not, I don't think it's a matter of anybody getting uh, stiffed or them not being confident. Although I don't know if they were confident, but I think it's more of a matter of practicality. Like the game isn't on, we can't let you review it because it doesn't exist. But at the same time, should they have made that effort to make it exist so that they, people could review it? Uh, there's a case to be made there both ways. I think. What, did you have more thoughts there, Dave? No, it just it seemed odd, and I, I agree that it's the kind of game where it's a little bit hard to review in 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 a natural environment. But there's plenty of other games as a service who have done it. At least you know they they give reviewers a couple days early access, and then by launch day, I think normally what happens is is they set their embargo for launch day, and that's always a red flag. But at the very least, outlets get the game early, and the servers are on early for them. Um, 
but I just thought it was interesting. And it, even the way IGN kind of stated it, it seemed like even they were caught off guard a little bit that they weren't they getting did seem a, a little bit hurt about it. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Yeah. But, it's, it's interesting because used to, it was a huge red flag if a games embargo was on launch day, or especially if a games embargo was after the time the game launched. Like if it, if it comes out at 9am and the, and the embargo isn't up till noon, I'm like, I don't know about that. But now it seems like more and more games are moving to their their stuff to launch day simply because so many games are coming out unfinished and not ready to be reviewed early. So I don't know. I don't take that as much of a, a red flag as I used to. But. Yeah, but then again, you look at something like Baldur's Gate three that just came out uh, last year and that embargo was really late. I want to say it was r- almost right at the launch date and there's. There's no doubt about its quality. So it's surely not a the definitive indicator, but it's been an indicator in the past. And yeah, maybe that was part of it this time too. Um, let's keep moving here. Number three. Tencent, the world's largest gaming giant, expressed concerns about its leading position in the industry during its annual meeting. See, the CEO admitted to facing significant challenges in the past year with gaming contributing over 30% to Tencent's total revenue. Uh, the rest of it is spying on you, by the way. The company, which owns prominent studios like Riot Games and has partial ownership in Epic, highlighted disappointments in recent gaming releases, acknowledging tough competition. Tencent aims to navigate these challenges as it reevaluates its standing in the gaming sector, a crucial part of its business. Boys, I didn't want to necessarily just talk about Tencent or anything, although we can, but are we worried about, and we're going to talk about it in the next article too, all the layoffs and the studio closures and then 10 cents like we're not really sure about this whole gaming thing like is it just are we on a cliff brandon you're nodding your head what are you thinking yeah i mean we saw the fucking armageddon of layoffs last year and it seems to be persisting through this year and when you get companies like 10 cent how we've talked about for years now how they just gobble up a lot of the market um it's kind of concerning hearing this sort of thing um, and when you get companies like this, even if they're not the most respected company, they, they might have the most studios. I mean, I don't think general consensus amongst most people is is favorable towards Tencent. But that being said, it's like it gets other other companies thinking. I mean, truthfully, it's like when you get the big boys doing something, I'm not saying it's setting precedent, but you know, we're, we're seeing it at companies like Microsoft too. We just talked about that last week. So yeah, I mean, I just think it's a tough time to be in video games, period. Um, it's being proven time and time again. Uh, and I don't know, it doesn't connect with me because I feel like more people are playing games than they ever have. Um, so I don't know. Something's not driving in my mind, but I don't know what that is. We're really, as the consumer, I think ultimately we're losing because we keep inching closer to like the pure capitalism of like, how much money can we squeeze out of this product at the cheapest cost possible, not ha- having no consideration for product. And I feel like that's kind of showing its face in these sort of things is that, um, you know, how much profit can we make? We only make 30%. And it's like, well, how were the games? Were they any good? Did anybody fucking remember them? You know, like it's, I feel like the quality and the longevity of these games and properties is like a back burner thought. Um, and that's kind of concerning. And that's why these jobs just go by the wayside. 
It's because we're thinking about the wrong things. We're thinking about the money over everything else. And businesses are businesses. Ben, you know that firsthand. It's just like, it is what it is. But um, I just think we got to kind of change our our mindset on this a bit. At least companies do. And I don't, I, I don't know that we're, we shouldn't be holding our breath is what I'm saying. Yeah. The more we're demanding of games, the longer they're taking and the more they're costing and the more layoffs there's going to be. That's the reality. I don't know the right answer, but Dave, any, any additional thoughts on what Tencent has to say here? Yeah. I mean, just the, the subject as a whole, I think we're not necessarily on a cliff, but I do think we're kind of at a generational shift where we have, you know, our gaming generation who is kind of used to traditional gaming, which is, you know, a story driven single player, um, play something really cool and then talk about it after when the credits roll. And then we have the next generation of gamers who seem to be bring, being brought up on microtransactions. I know it sounds reductive and I, I'm not trying to make it seem that way, but things are changing. Um, you know, the free to play model is very, very risky and it's sort of like, you know, you need to be a hit right off the bat and you need to get people buying your battle pass. And if they don't within one or two months, then we're pulling the plug. We're seeing games get, um, canned like so much more quickly than they used to. And I think a lot of the reason is because, you know, this new generation of microtransactional gamers, they don't really have disposable income yet. So, you know, if, if our group doesn't latch onto it, then, you know, you gotta, you gotta pull the plug. So I think free to play, um, is where we're going. And I think if it doesn't pay off immediately, then it's, it's, you're going to lose a lot of money. And I think Tencent has kind of put its, it's a lot of its eggs in that basket. And maybe they're starting to recognize that maybe it's a little bit too premature. So yeah, I think we're just sort of at a crossroads with gaming now. And, um, a lot of publishers and developers are starting to feel it. So, yeah. Moving on kind of in the same vein. I just wanted to mention, we saw another, we, we recorded Thursday last week. It's Tuesday. And we've seen like four or five more companies with layoffs, uh, including toys for Bob sledgehammer uh, embracer with Eidos Montreal and then Sega. They haven't officially announced it yet to my knowledge, at least as far as I saw, but they did do the filings and it looks like Sega's, laying off about 10% of uh, their American um, workers. And I just wanted to mention, this is not a Ben was right moment because I didn't like come up with this on my own. I got this information elsewhere, but Thursday I talked about how with Sega um, charging extra for new game plus, I was like, maybe there's some layoffs coming. I might've known that, but I didn't, <laughs> I didn't uh, want to explicitly state it because uh, I didn't know all the details, but looks like, just another round of layoffs. Obviously, I don't think we have like a lot to offer here as far as words that we haven't said before, but sucks for the people losing their jobs. I know businesses have to run. I don't know how those two things work together. So an eternal conflict in any kind of business, especially sucks to see in gaming, in the gaming world. Number five, despite launching amidst the buzz of Power World and Shrouded. Let me start over. Despite launching amidst the buzz, buzz of Power World, Enshrouded, an RPG-infused survival game, has quickly gained traction. Within just four days of its early access release, the game reached an impressive 1 million players. Developer Keen Games expressed gratitude for the positive reception and player support, emphasizing that the success is only the beginning for Enshrouded. Uh, and I put this here at last so that we could move into the what we've been playing section as well, but I just want to talk about 
it seems funny thinking that a that enshrouded hits a million players and we're like yes after power world just hit like nine million players in 72 hours or whatever you know it wasn't literally but um but a million copies is still a lot for an indie game especially one in early access for sure but um dave any thoughts before we move into what we've been playing yeah, no, it's impressive numbers. You know, I just got off talking about the free-to-play model, but it's great to see that um, indie games are still blowing up. Um, and we've seen lots of these, like even Lethal Company earlier this year. Um, so it's uh, there was a time, like, I, I kind of felt like Xbox Arcade was, was kind of the peak of indie gaming, um, but I'm starting to sort of second-guess myself, and it, it seems like there are enough success stories out there to keep indie games kind of churning out and it is good to see them kind of um, rise up amongst the noise of, of a lot of the heavy, heavy hitters out there. So uh, I'm happy to see this for sure. Nice. With that, Brandon, we'll talk a little bit more about Unshrouded here. I think what have you been playing? Uh, so I've been playing more Elden Ring. I'm not going to spend any time on it at all. Still enjoying that quite a bit. Uh, I've been playing solo and with Ben lots and lots of fun. Um, and, uh, my whole segment's going to be short and sweet because I booted up and shrouded. I created my character. I named it. I launched into the world. I touched my first object and the game crashed and I haven't opened it since. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> All right. So, Eight out of 10. Um, yeah, I don't have much to say. I do want to go back, but honestly, I was kind of in a pissy mood. I think I was getting aggravated at Elden Ring and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try this out. And so I booted up a different game and was like walking around and touched something. And then my shit just completely collapsed in on itself. And I was like, well, I'm going to go into the living room and do something else now. Yeah, so, yeah. It's yeah. understandable for sure. Yeah. But honestly, that's about it. So you're welcome to take it away. I wish I had more to say. Hopefully I will next week. But yeah. So, yeah, I have been playing in Shrouded and I've probably got, I don't know, 10 to 11 hours in it since well total. And I did jump in briefly after we played Elden Ring one night uh, with our buddy Justin um, to play like a co-op, but we really didn't. We played for maybe an hour and um, we both already kind of knew what to do in that first hour of because uh, we created a new world. Um, so I can't really comment too much. It worked fine. It worked great. But um, as far as the game, though, I'm getting to the point now where I'm being more adventurous and what I'm finding, at least in these early hours of this game, is that unlike many survival games, there is a story here. It's a lot of it's told through notes, um, but there is, you know, there's environmental stuff. There's characters you meet that, that keep expanding on that lore. And it's really interesting. The mechanic of the enshrouded um, is cool because you go into certain areas with like a, a haze and you're, you're enshrouded. You have a certain amount of time based on your skill level and your your upgrade path. Um, to be able to stay in that enshrouded area before you start to take damage and die. Um, so you constantly kind of feel when you're in that area, a little bit of a um, anxiety that you're not going to be able to make it back out in time, which survival crafting games I love because they're chill, but there's always a danger in them, right? There's usually enemies or something and there are enemies in this game, but there's also that, that I don't know, anxiety of just the world killing you uh, in that amount of time too. So uh, but I am liking it a good good bit. I've progressed to getting, uh, I think, three of the NPCs that you bring back to your base to help you keep building it up further. Uh, I haven't done a lot of building yet because I'm, I'm realizing like, oh, I built my house and now I don't really need to build much else until I get these other people that can do things. And like some of them are um, 
in order to build something that you know the first person I bring back has for, has that I can make with them uh, that they unlock, I need to go and get the second person for uh, a thing that they unlock so that I can go and mine something else. So I like the fact that it's building on itself. I also understand that can be kind of frustrating, but um, I don't have any idea how big the world is. I've gone very very far from my base at times and seen monsters with levels. 10 times above where I am and I don't think that's even the end of where everything is so I'm uh I'm liking that aspect of it but for sure I want to keep playing digging a little more it is interesting because I think I don't know if the game is always online but I think it's always saving because when you open the menu, there's not like an option to save and leave. It's just exit the main menu or exit game. And I'll just hit exit game and I'll get kicked out immediately. Like the game shuts down immediately. And then I hop back in and I'm exactly where I was with all the stuff I had. So I'm curious if it's able to be played offline. I'm assuming it is to some extent, but uh, I haven't tested it out yet. But yes, Enshrouded, I love survival crafting. You guys know that. And I'm enjoying it as well. Uh, the only other thing besides Elden Ring I've been playing is Call of the Lamb. I've been playing it on the Steam Deck, which is a great place for it because I can just like chill uh, on the couch and play it for half an hour at a time, do a run, get back. It's a really old game. I haven't gotten into any of the new updates. Not really old. It's an older game now at this point. Haven't really gotten into the, any of the update stuff, but I'll just emphasize like Call of the Lamb. It's just a lot of fun going around basically Animal Crossing, but with Satanism. It's it's fantastic. Dave, did you did you ever you you started playing Call of the Lamb? Did you ever get very far? Yeah, I I, okay. I don't know. I got like ten hours in it or something. Okay, nice. Um, yeah, on the Switch. Yeah, but yeah, nice. Have you yeah, got I'm the song a... out of your head yet? The, uh, no, the song that plays never will <laughs> when you're in your Although, in your cult. In fairness, so I, I've I've heard the song for sure, but since I'm playing on the Steam Deck, a, a couple times I've been like the kids wanted to watch something that I've seen a million times. And I'll just like sit down with them and turn the volume down so that they can hear the TV and I'm just like hanging out. So I haven't had it in my ears as much as uh, as I probably would have if I'd been playing on a console or at the computer. But yeah, I'm enjoying it. Dave, what about you? What have you been playing? Um, well, two weeks ago, I, I sat on the show and I said, uh, I'm going to be working my way through a backlog. I'm not going to be playing anything new. Uh, so last week I bought a new game. Deep Galactic. <laughs> and then this week I bought two new games. Nice. Uh, so things are not going well with my uh, commitment to kind of going through my backlog. But in my fairness, these three games that I bought in the last two weeks are not what I would consider backlog games, but more games that I just want to have mm-hmm. and occasionally kind of pick up. Uh, the first game directly relates to one of my um, resolutions, which was to play more video games with my wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the game that I purchased, funny enough, uh, my wife was, um, I don't know if she was having a rough day, but she, you know, Saturday night, she was just feeling a little anxious and stuff. And, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to maybe offer something that's a little relaxing. So I said, honey, would you like to play a video game with me? And she said, sure. So I booted up overcooked. Um, oh my God, Dave. <laughs> that's not relaxing at all that's the exact opposite of relaxing well she didn't know that um but yeah i I hadn't i hadn't played overcooked before but uh it was it was on deep discount on the e-shop so i picked it up and um yeah this this is uh this was a great game for the two of us to jump into we had a lot of fun um there was one level where we i i'm not 
exaggerating for theatrics, but within 20 seconds of us starting the level, the entire fucking kitchen was on fire and we couldn't do anything about it because we were laughing way too hard um, to like kind of do anything because it was just so funny. Um, like we've been together over 10 years and I think this was one of the hardest we'd ever laughed, but doing anything. So, um, yeah, I got what I want out of it. Uh, I, I really, I was something that surprised me about overcooked was like, I was aware at the speed in which you need to kind of do things and communicate to get things done, but I didn't know there would be so many variables in terms of like the things you're cooking and the kitchen suddenly changing. I think one, you're like, you're on a, on a pirate ship and like it rocks back and forth and then like all the counters and stuff move and you have to like run around to do stuff. But yeah, we had a lot of fun. Uh, we've watched the bear. Um, and we really liked that show and we <laughs> thought about the bear a lot. So, so yeah, overcooked with my wife. We're going to keep playing it and, um, have some more fun with that. Um, the other game I just randomly picked up Can was play RP for a minute. Sure. Yes. As someone who has owned and run a restaurant, uh, the bear is, anxiety inducing in the best and worst ways so for those who've watched it um and i i'm not I, i've heard this from other people but the christmas episode in in season two oh my god uh, dude was so was so stressful we actually had to turn it off and like mm. finish the second half later because of just how stressful it was but yeah, yeah i love yeah. that show and uh actually maddie matheson who's in the show he's uh he's 40 or he's popular YouTube chef now and 40 years just uh, down the road. So we go to his restaurant in uh, Toronto and oh, nice. quite a bit. So, yeah. Dude, yeah. Okay. dude, Maddie's cool. Yeah. Yeah. He's our boy. I actually think I'm going to take credit for something. Uh, I think the, the second year we all went to PAX uh, uh -huh. one night we were, we were in our Airbnb and I think I put Maddie Matheson on and that was the first time you guys had seen him. Uh, he, it's very he's, possible. He's fact, right? What? Who is he in the show? He's the uh, bear. I, I can't remember his name in the show. He's the guy who's always fixing stuff. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't, I didn't know him outside that show. Yeah. So I've forgotten. Yeah, a, I have a brain worm. YouTube from, chef. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah, he, yeah. He's pretty popular on YouTube. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Watch the bear. The yeah. uh, second game. I, I've had my eye on this game for a long time and I just never picked it up again. It was on a deep discount on the eShop was the Scott Pilgrim game. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. It's, it's cool. Um, I'm not really into beat em ups, but I, I like the Scott Pilgrim movie and I knew this game had really good music and it's set in Toronto. So yep. I grew up in Toronto, so it's, it's kind of fun playing levels and like recognizing the TTC buses and, and like Casa Loma and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a cool game. I, it's, I, I did have to kind of go online and search some stuff because I'm playing it on the easiest difficulty and I'm getting my ass kicked at, yeah, at first. Yeah. And, and it's like, it doesn't really have much of a tutorial. And like, there's this upgrade shop that is literally hidden in the first level that like it's hidden, but you kind of need to go into it and buy upgrades. So I don't know. I, I think I played the first level like three or four times the first night I played it, but I didn't mind. I was having a hard time putting this game down because it's just, it's fun. And as you get stronger, you, um, you know, you unlock new moves and it, the music is really good. And, and yeah, so Scott Pilgrim, uh, I'm having a fun time with. So that's yeah. what I played this week. It's funny, Scott Pilgrim was one of those games that I played back in the 360 era. And I love Scott Pilgrim, and I, I played the game, I played the hell out of it. And 
I was so 10 years later or whatever, I was so like, I need to play this game again that I got out my 360, downloaded the game, um, took me like two hours to figure everything out because everything needed updated and I had to retype old passwords and everything. And literally the next day they announced they were doing a remaster of it or a re-release. And I was like, that figures. But if that's what it took, I was willing to pay it. You know, I was willing to spend the time. So then I bought the game on PS4 and played about three hours of it and haven't touched it since. So I need to remedy that for sure. Because it is a great game. That's really funny in the chat, though, that Ed Casty pointed out that uh, the the uh, the overcooked story reminded him of him playing Scott Pilgrim. And then I mentioned that I yeah, bought Scott yeah. Pilgrim this week. So that's kind of funny. Dave, does Scott Pilgrim make you embrace your inner Toronto man? Uh, Real Radic would like to know. Uh, I, I do not have an inner Toronto man. Oh, okay. uh, and Real Radic, you know that uh, Toronto man is just, uh, it, it's not a personality, my friend. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, an, ex- it's an excuse for talking funny. So, yeah. No. <laughs> That's it, Dave? That's, That's all for me, folks. All right. Well, that is what we've been playing. That is the show for this week. Um, we'll see, uh, next week. I think we'll actually be on the right day this week. We moved it because of the state of play. I think we'll be on the right day. We'll see Dave, Brandon. Thanks for joining me. Happy, happy skull and bones, uh, open beta week. Everyone. Oh, I know, right. You know, we've had a hard time containing our excitement and, and yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's uh it's going to be a good week. When does that release? Uh, the f- 16th or something, but okay. Okay. Yeah. They're so uh, confident con- in, in how well this game is going to be doing that they're offering an open beta for everyone. So it's crazy. Yeah. Inconveniently, I'll be out of town uh, when the game actually releases. So I won't be able to get to it on release day, unfortunately. Dave, you'll have to take that bullet. Uh, I probably also won't be getting to it at all. Um, so there's that. That's another factor, I guess. <laughs> all right. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out. Um, Note, Radic. Not Ben's constant coverage for Skull and Bones. Dave is the one who is playing Skull and Bones for the coverage. He is the one, the journalist amongst us. Um, we're going to end the show. Appreciate it. Don't forget to check us out every Tuesday night live at 7 p.m. on the Handsome Phantom YouTube channel as well as Ben is Handsome. And also uh, Patreon if you're interested. As little as a dollar a month over at patreon.com slash handsome phantom. Honestly, though, if I could ask you to do any of the things that we ask you to do on a weekly basis, it would be join the discord. Uh, it's free, low commitment. If you like the chat, we're there. Uh, handsomephantom.com slash discord. We appreciate you being there. And uh, we're going to end the show, talk about the title, and we'll see you guys next week. The HP Podcast is sponsored by our proud patrons over at patreon.com slash handsomephantom. The following members are at the $5 level, and we appreciate their contribution. Toby Ryland, Edward Walton, Josh Cummings, Poot, Boots, Passive Pixels, Edwin Castillo, Maurice Bays, Htrons, Nuke Dukem, Derek O, Grabalicious, Benji Bop, and Link. 